0: watch, or your computer clock, or your phone clock, or whatever it is you look at. Thank you, madam. Um, It's 1115. I'm going to try to get you out of here early today because it is resurrection, but yet God has something for us to see in the Word. So would you turn in your Bibles to the book of John, John chapter 20, and we're going to read about Something that we don't really focus that much on when we talk about resurrection morning. Um, you know, we we speak about the cross as we should. We speak about the days when Jesus spent in paradise, which we should. We speak about the the early morning when Mary came to the tomb and was looking for uh, where they had taken the body of the Lord because the stone was rolled away, which we should. We talk about the, uh, the, the Roman soldiers who were posted there and the story that they were bribed to tell. Uh, we talk about how John and, and, and Peter came to the tomb. They raced there. And, um, you know, there, there's so many aspects and more that we look at and we marvel at. But one of the ones that we don't really talk about that often is what we're going to look at today. And that begins at verse 19 of John chapter 20. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled because they were fearful of the Jews, Then came Jesus, and stood in the midst, and said unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and said unto them, receive you the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. What a unique combination of statements and words. One of the things that I like to do is to look at what's called a harmony Harmony, not hominy, harmony of the Gospels. Some of you may have um, a, a a dedicated Bible that, in chronological order, just lists the the events of of uh, the gospel story, and they're they're side by side, so you can see what Mark says and then when Luke picks up, and it's an interesting thing. Not long ago, uh, the olive tree um, presented a, a harmony of the Gospels, and um, it was really, really inexpensive, so I got it. So uh, I, have, I have a couple of, of, of printed harmony of the Gospels, but then I have this on my phone, and, and it's just really interesting to read this particular segment to see what um, what the other gospel writers said, and to really read in chronology how that from the time that Mary was told to not to touch him because he was ascending to his father, then the next thing that picks up is the road to Emmaus, and those two fellows. Did not our hearts burn within us? You know that old song? It's kind of hard to get the people clapping to that one because it's so slow. And so they skedaddled back to where these guys are. And according to the the chronology of the Gospels, they had just come into the room and told the guys what they had seen. So Peter and John had already been there. Mary had already been there. And then these two guys from Emmaus had come. And remember their story, how that, you know, Jesus recited from the Old Testament, from the from the law to the prophets and shown who he was, and then in the breaking of the bread, they recognized him, and then he w- disappeared. Well, he comes into this room, and the other gospel accounts say that he, uh, of course, he showed them his hands and his side. Thomas wasn't there. Um... But uh, he also upbraids them because they didn't believe. He talks to them about how that he really had fulfilled scripture. And all of that went on there. And, and it really is neat to read it in the harmony of the gospels, because you see all these things going on. You have you know, you have the, the, this passage says that the disciples were glad, which is a derivative of grace. And it really means that they, it, they really weren't hopping up and down. They were still mystified as to whether he was a, a spirit or a, a flesh, and then he showed them his hands and his side. And, and, uh, but, but that word indicates that they took a step of grace, that the atmosphere changed. And to some degree, they weren't mourning and lamenting. To some degree, obviously, they weren't in disbelief because how can you disbelieve what you're seeing and experiencing? And then the Lord kind of rebukes them. And um, it, it's it's just really an, an interesting cacophony of the gospel story. But here is John firsthand. And he's, of course, he's not really saying anything about the fact that uh, they had been uh, re- rebuked. <laughs> but but he, he does say some very key things, and um, and, and we want to look at some of these to kind of piece together what Jesus is releasing to these men at this time, after he proved that it was really him, after he proved that he had really risen, after he had speakin', spoken speaking. He he did some speaking uh, after he had spoken to them about again. You can read this in in the harmony. Uh, he had spoken to them what he had said, reiterated what he had said to the guys on the road to Emmaus, and and so now he comes to this, and, and there are, there are really four points that John accounts that Jesus spoke over them, and I wondered I wondered about this early this morning. Um. What if you had been in that room? What What if I had been in the room? What would I have wanted to talk about at that point? After, after I recognized that it was the Lord, after I recognized that He really had risen, you know, I would probably have been interested in, Lord, tell me where you've been. Tell me what... What happened? Now, of course, John, in in the book of Revelation, he does write about the risen Lord. He does write about what he saw with the slain lamb and the the taking the little book and everybody proscuneoing. Um, And we don't really know what all Jesus told them during those weeks after he rose, before he ascended into heaven. Some of those things we know about, but the but the fullness of what he taught regarding the kingdom, uh, I guess you can just uh, you can deduce that from the epistles and and what what they were saying. But I would have been really curious. Tell me about what happened when you died. Tell me about when you gave up the spirit and then you were were. Ushered into paradise, where you had described to us before. Now, uh, in the parable of Lazarus and the rich man, where Lazarus was in um, in the in the bosom of Abram, and the rich man was through that great gulf fixed, tormented in flames. Did did what What else can you tell us about that? And probably they had already had discussions with. The other Lazarus, the one who had been risen from the tomb uh, by by the voice of Jesus, don't you know that they had had some interesting discussions with him about what his experience was? That's what you know. After the rejoicing at the Lord being risen from the dead, you know these guys had walked together for three and a half years with the Lord, so they knew each other pretty well. I would say as 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 men, as colleagues, and I would have been comfortable enough to have been asking that question, but there's, there's nothing like that here. Maybe it happened, maybe it didn't happen, but John hits these high points, and I think that uh, in what he says here, which others didn't say, is incredibly revealing Verse 21, let's look at these things. Jesus says, peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, and this is apostello, I was sent apostolically, I fulfilled what I was sent to do, which is truly what this peace be unto you refers to. I've accomplished what I told you I was going to accomplish, and I accomplished what my father sent me to do. As my father sent me apostolically, and that's the word, so I'm sending you, Pempo, in the same way that I came apostolically, now that by virtue of my victory, I'm able to release you into that same fabric. Now, he didn't repeat Uh, the apostolic thing here, because that comes from the Father. You know that. When the Father sends us forth with a word from the throne, Jesus never, ever uh, crossed over the lines of of the authority in heaven, and neither should we. But Jesus said, I came, I fulfilled the apostolic mission, mission, and now I've made a way for you to be sent forth for you to be Pempo, but you've got to know the Father. You've got, to, you've got to know him. You've got to be before the throne and receive the commissioning to take this cross where the Father sends you. But this is Jesus saying, I have activated that, and I think that is a wonderful thing to see. I, I, I'm grateful for that. The next thing he says he breathed on them and said, receive you the Holy Ghost. Now, this is often a perplexing thing for Pentecostals and for really those that, if you deny what happened at Pentecost, you sure are denying this. Uh, What does it mean when Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Hagias Numa"? Well, Let's look first at this word breathed. Now, I know that there have been other ministries that have taken the, the breathing upon ministry to a whole new level. But this word he breathed on them is only used here in the New Testament. It's not used anywhere else. And it, it's almost a perfect transliteration of the word when we talk about emphysema. to to be able to breathe out with power. That's this word. Now, it's only used here in the New Testament. We don't find Jesus doing it anywhere else. We don't find John thinking, hey, that was pretty good. I think I'll use that ministry tool. Now, when you look in the Old Testament, when the Septuagint translators, the 70, were putting the Old Testament into the Greek language, you know, we have, to, we have to recognize what that was. We often talked about uh, when the King James Version was translated, or really even when the English Bible was translated, or when the Tyndale Version was translated. They wanted to do things very carefully. But we have to recognize that these 70 Jewish scholars who were entrusted with the law, they were entrusted with the Holy Scrolls. They weren't messing around. They weren't just saying, oh, just let's living Bible it. What do you think it means? Oh, what do you think it means? Let's just say whatever we want. They meticulously researched how those Hebraic words and those some of those Chaldean words from Daniel and Ezekiel were to be conveyed to the Jewish congregations in the Greek-speaking world. So where I'm going with this is they used this word, breathed, which was only used once in the New Testament, they use this to describe when God breathed into Adam and gave life to him. And so it was life-giving. So here is Jesus breathing. Only time it's used. I have to reiterate that. What do you think was going on there? To me... It was the Lord bringing the capacity of, our, of the human spirit to be able to believe and be born again. You want to talk about the second Adam, well, here it is. We often focus about the first Adam and the curse. Well, the second Adam came and he was perfect. Yes, that's true. The second Adam came and he, uh, uh, the Lord Jesus was able to r- restore the opportunity to part with God. Yes, that's true. But here is a a livid example of second Adam because the first Adam had God breathe into him and life came, that spirit that was released. Now the second Adam breathes upon them. And there was an igniting of that capacity that all of us enjoy because of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross and his triumph over death, hell, and the grave, we now have the capacity, if we so choose, any man, woman, child, so choose, to accept the sacrifice of Jesus and let life come into us. Divine life, not just physical life, which the first Adam gave, divine life, and and to be able to move in the Spirit. Receive ye the Holy Ghost... I love this because we know from our study of the spirits of God in, in the Bible that when you talk about the Holy Ghost, you're talking about partnering with God himself on behalf of his purpose, on behalf of what he originally intended that had been desecrated in some ways or hidden or abandoned, or twisted. It's kind of like what we talked about last week regarding poor in spirit. Poor meaning something that had been stolen, an inheritance stolen, a place or a name stolen, and it needs to be returned and brought back. Yahweh watches over that. I was uh, spending time Uh, with our brothers and sisters in in Brazil this past week, preparing them for something that they're teaching today. And we were looking at being contrite, and we were looking at the things of the spirit of man within. And to, to this one will I look, God says. And he speaks about this contrite and being poor in spirit. God looks for that. So here is a capacity that was given to these men and women in the room. And it would then be revisited um, for those who would receive it on Pentecost when the Holy Ghost came. But this was making it possible. See, what Jesus was doing here on the day that he rose was making these things possible. The apostolic mission of knowing the Father and receiving a word from him, which is what he talked about at the Last Supper. Read those earlier on in this book. Just turn a few pages back to where all the letters are red, or in the color red. Whether they're red or not is another story. But the color red and see what Jesus says. I want you to know the Father as I knew Him. From the foundation of the world, the glory that I knew then, I want you to know that in Him. And in the days that are coming, you're not going to ask me anything, but whatever you ask the Father on behalf of what I have done in my name, He will give it to you. seems I remember reading that somewhere, and I think it was just a few chapters before here. So the Lord, first of all, releases that capacity to represent the Father, which is what he really came to do. It's what the enemy hated. It's what the enemy rebelled to try to stop. But here is Jesus restoring that. And then, once that's set, he breathes upon them to ignite this capacity within and to say, now, you, should you so choose, can be an emissary of hagias, of holiness, of partnering with the Father, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth, when you're sent forth apostolically with the cross, you can partner with the Almighty to see restoration occur. I love that, don't you? I really do. And then we come to these other two things. And this, the Catholics have taken and run with. But let's talk about what Let's suggest what it might really be saying. Whosoever, we used to sing that song, Whosoever Surely Meaneth Me. And don't call me Surely. Um, <laughs> Whosoever Meaneth Me. We used to, and, and when you were really lively, when the spirit was really moving, you'd already coordinated with the organist and the pianist, and you just repeated that, whosoever meaneth, whosoever meaneth, whosoever meaneth me. Yeah, everybody rejoices and claps. Don't get too anxious because we don't want the neighbors to think we're weird. I grew up in it. I know what it means. I used to lead that song. Oh, that was exciting times when you could coordinate that, that, the eyes of the people opened up. We're doing something different. Wow, doing something different with this hymn. So what does whosoever mean other than it meaneth you? Um, if you look at this, it's not just, it's not one word. It's two words. Whoso uh, is, um, can mean a person. It can mean a thing. It can mean a, a this or a that. It can mean a place. Isn't that something? So it's not necessarily, you just look at the word, look it up. You can, it not, doesn't necessarily mean an individual, even though, of course, that's the primary thing. And the, the soever is, is another word, and it, for those of you who are linguists, it's a subjunctive term. So it's a possibility. It's an offering you can, you can accept or not. So whosoever, whosoever, really means I'm. you're, you're going to be talking to people. You're going to be sent to places. You're going to be sent to conditions. And you can uh, present what God wants. But uh, when it comes to a person, th- they can either choose or not choose. And if it comes to a place... You can choose or not choose. It really is a subjunctified uh, collection of, of two words. And it, I don't want to take you in the weeds here, but this is so interesting because throughout all my life, I just thought whosoever meaneth me. I mean, it was in the hymn, so it had to be right up there. They probably sang that song right before Jesus disappeared again. And, then eight day, and they sang it for the eight days before he appeared again. I'm just joking. What's he saying? Where did you get that? I'm just joking about that. So he says, whosoever sins, hamartia. And don't you know that people can sin, places can be missing the mark, scenarios can be missing the mark, what God created to be one way can be missing the mark. We know that hamartia just means to miss the mark or to be off course. And so whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them. So let's just look at this before we go any further. Uh, remit and remitted means to send away, afieme. So you're, you're dispelling the, the missing of the mark. You're sending it away. You're, you're driving it out. So hopefully when we go into a nation at the directive of the Father and we're declaring apostolically through the, the breath of God within us and we're, we're wanting to restore what God has given, that's the role of a saint in particular, but it should be for everyone. If we encounter or when we encounter people who need to know the way, who are not walking as God created them to be, we proclaim this powerful message and this possibility, but it's up to them whether they'll receive. When we look into that place and we we meet with indigenous peoples, we apostolically give the word, but it's up to them then to, to keep it. And we know from what Paul wrote to some of those churches, he said, I'm astounded by you, you know, that I'm concerned that what I preach to you, now you're listening to other doctrines or something has bewitched you. But it's up to them to keep sending that potential of harmartia away. Um, It reminds me of that in that movie, Lincoln, when he was dedicating dedicating, uh, a particular building and he was out there reading his message. He says, my job to see this flag raised, it's your job to keep it up. And, and then he folded it, stuck the message back in his big hat and said, that's it. And they were, played the song and raised it. But it's our job to speak this, but it's up to people to, 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 to keep the sin and missing of the mark away. That's, it's interesting. This subjunctive thing really colors this phrase. But when it gets really interesting is the next part. Whosoever sins, you retain; they are retained. Now, if you look in your Bible, um, sins there is italicized, right? That means that it's not in the original, and it's not. They for the flow of order, they just and I give them credit. They tried to read it. So he 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 again says, whosoever, and that's consistent. But then when he talks about retain and retained, it's our old friend Criteo, which is the power of the throne. What did Jesus mean by that? Well, this particularly, when you come to a person or you come to a place, or you come to a scenario at the directive of the Father, you're operating on the power of the throne, or you should be. And whatever God has released for you to do, you have proclaimed that, you have preached that, you have established that authority. And as far as the throne is concerned, uh, that's the operative nature of peace, or telos, as we were talking about today in Sunday school. Your job is to do what the Father sends you to do. That, when it's done, is set at the throne. And when you leave your obligation your responsibility for that is completed whatever happens there is subjunctive on their behalf but before the throne it's done you've keys that you unlock and no man can can lock and you and you lock and no man can unlock the keys of the kingdom do that so these four things that John the beloved the one who loved the lord Dennis wrote a wonderful treatise about the life of John you should pick that up in the bookstore. Um, you could even order it online if you want to. But John knew the Lord, and in his account, of course, then he doesn't mention being reproved by the Lord. I don't blame him there. Uh, but uh, maybe he figured that Mark was already writing about it, and Luke certainly would. But the point, though, is that he details these things that were important to him that Jesus said. On that day, in the evening of his resurrection, when suddenly he shows up amongst them, uh, somehow those guys from the road to Emmaus, they'd found a way in. Maybe they knew the secret not. Okay, let them in. What's the password? Resurrection. All right, come on in. I, I don't know how they got in there, but the other gospel narratives say that they had come and told and, and the rest of them in the room weren't believing the testimony of Peter and John. They weren't believing the testimony of Mary. They weren't believing the the testimony of of, uh, anyone who had actually witnessed this. And even Thomas, who John makes very clear in, in verse 24, he wasn't there at the time when all of them said to him, hey, we just saw Jesus. And Thomas says, you know what he said? Well, I know you guys, but I'm not going to believe it unless I can stick my finger in the nail holes and plunge my hand in his side. Well, eight days later, Jesus shows up and, and he he's not, he's not messing around. He said, hey, Thomas, here I am. Oh, would Jesus say something like that? Of course he was. Of course he did. I mean, what do you think? He knew Thomas. He'd walked with him for years. And, you know, I just can't envision the Lord doing that. Well, the Lord remembers things. Should have forgiven him for his doubting. Well, I'm not saying he didn't forgive him, but he but He remembered. So that was eight days later. So you imagine the, the, the discussions those fellows had for eight days. Thomas, he's risen. I'm not going to believe. How many times did Thomas say that? He is risen. I don't know. I think you guys are all pulling my leg. But, you know, the thing that John remembers here are those four things. And what were they? Well, he first comes in peace. I've accomplished what the Father has sent me. And as I have done this apostolic mission, now I am making it possible for you to go forth. But he didn't say for you, I'm, I'm not sending you out apostolically. He says, the, you know, you recognize that that comes from the Father. The second, he breathes on them. He activates something within them. He activates that capacity which we have to enter from the old covenant now into the new and to really be able to function should we accept Christ and his sacrifice and to be born again. Grace and truth now is possible in that spirit within. To partner with the Hagias Numa. That's the second thing. The third thing is, as you're doing these things, you're going to be going into a whosoever scenario. And if you see things that are missing the mark, you drive those things away. And you pattern then what should be. You pattern then what God has intended. And you make sure that that which you have sent away, that miscreant type of behavior, that misuse, or that abandonment, or that iniquitous pursuit, you make sure that that stays away, but it's up to you then who are taught to watch that. And the fourth thing he says: this whole process is before the throne, the power of the Krateo. That's what's actually said there. Now we can keep singing, "Whosoever meaneth me," because you are in that. But it's only beginning. Yeah, this is this is this is throne room discussion with Jesus and his disciples had not very many hours before he had talked to them about the father he had talked to them and what did he say to mary i'm going to my father but he is to be your father that's what he said to mary just relative minutes before this and now he's reiterating it and that's what john remembers those four things and i think on this resurrection day It's good for us to remember the entirety of the story and keep reading it. Tell me the old, old story. I love to hear the story. But I also know that the living word breathes out new things to us. And one of the things that maybe you live this, maybe you read it every morning. Congratulations. I bless you. But from my understanding, we don't often talk too much about this. Some people cherry pick things like the breathing upon people. This is once in the New Testament, and what Jesus did there, activated within the Spirit. What we really need is for people to say, why has your Spirit been activated? Why have you been born again? What's going on in that Spirit of yours? Are are you praying in the Spirit, with the power of the Spirit? Are you partnering with God? as being poor in spirit, of being contrite in spirit because that's what God's looking for. One of the things that the Scripture says God looks for, oh there's not many of them, but we strive as saints to do all of them, including laying on our face before God in the high places throughout the earth. God looks for that. The eyes of the Lord look to and fro for those that will commit themselves to this kind of walk. And God looks for the contrite and the poor in spirit. See, these things we know, but these four things John remembers from that really unique meeting on the night that Jesus rose from the dead. Don't you think that's great? I love this. Now, again, I started by saying, what would you have asked? This is pretty powerful. This, I mean, this is, this is amazing. I mean, this, just right here, if you came up with one thing, you could say, this really does speak of the second Adam in a way that I've never thought of before. We, in our previous discussions, we talked about the curse, how, you know, Jesus then came so that we could partner with God again. But this business about him breathing into the spirit, wow, that, that's a capacity that we all embrace. That's second Adam stuff in a proactive, positive way. And um, it's, it's, it's to destroy the curse, yes, through the power of the cross, but we would not be able to go out and destroy the curse if we weren't born again in spirit. I mean, where would the power be? That's where the jealousy of God partners with you and me to reclaim what God ordained. But right here, this breathing upon, whew, that's something. And you know, some people might say, "Our uh, old Pentecostal folks," they would say, "Well, oh, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Ghost.'" I don't see there that they, that they spoke with tongues. I even saw some naysayers, and you know that was one of the things we all Pentecostal kids had to do. We had to know what kind of, of crazy holds those people that denied speaking in tongues would say. And some of them would say, "Well, right here, right here's Jesus. They received the Holy Ghost. I don't see any record of them speaking in tongues." Well. That's not what was going on there. The promise of the Father had not come yet on Pentecost when all of them spoke with tongues and the sound of the rushing mighty wind and the fire upon the heads. This was doing something else. Yes, it prepared them. But this, for his disciples, put in motion what you and I enjoy today. So for John, he wrote down these pertinent things. And I, I still, I, st- <laughs> I wasn't there. But my mind would have been thinking, Lord, tell, tell, us, tell, tell us about that. What happened? What happened when you went down into that place and you started preaching there, and suddenly the enemy realized, "Uh uh-oh, this guy has no sin. (laughs) He doesn't belong here. We don't have a right to him. Boy, did we break the rules. Why did we crucify the Lord of glory? Boy, if we had just known that, we wouldn't have done it. Tell us about that. Tell us about that moment. I would love for you to describe the look on those fallen ones' faces. When they recognized that maybe they did have that discussion that's what i would have been thinking and eight days later i might have thought you know when i get the chance i'm going to ask the lord about this and then when he shows up i'm just about ready to ask him and he turns to thomas and said hey thomas come over here i hear they are calling you doubting you got that nickname now i see no he didn't say that i'm just joking so We give thanks to our Lord for all that he did for us on the cross and that he conquered for us Uh, a horrible scenario through eternity. He made possible for us to know the Father. Thank you for this. Thank you for redeeming us. But in the words of John the Beloved here, thank you for all of these things that we, that we, can partner with you in. Teach us more, I ask, about how to utilize each of these, particularly those whosoevers. I need some more uh, understanding, particularly about the subjunctive nature of that when we're actually in ministry. And, and teach us what we need to do to affirm the power of your throne um, and if there's something that we're that we're missing with all the things you've shown us from the word already help us to see that We don't we don't want to fail you but I love this story and so if you have one of those harmony of the gospels read through that and you don't really need the harmony of the gospels you can just do a little leg work little finger work there between there's only four gospels just read it it's very interesting. The, what, what John doesn't reference also happened in that room is interesting. But the Spirit allowed him to tell exactly what he needed to tell. And we're the beneficiaries of these four things. We don't want to misinterpret them. We don't want to misconstrue them. We don't want to take off in, in, in an English reading of it and create some form of ministry that wasn't really what was happening here. And um, But but I'm just grateful, and I end with this, which is six minutes before noon. The Day of Miracles on this Resurrection Sunday is still working. Um, we have the apostolic calling. We have the awakening of the Spirit of God within us in the new covenant. We have the ability to, to drive out the missing of the mark and in, in to instill the purpose of God, what, what should be happening, and we fulfill it all with doing what the throne has sent us to do. And when we're finished in obedience with the Lord, it's settled. And I think that's so important because the objective for all of us is to fulfill the will of him who sent me, which is how Jesus began his greeting to them. He didn't say, okay, boys, settle down. He said, peace. And peace means something to us. Calm down. It's me. It's me. Don't be afraid. Be not a scared. You know, he says peace. He, he established this. And, he, and he, he accomplished. And that's the objective for all of us, isn't it? To do the will of him who sent us. So the whosoever ends with that crateo. For people who sent forth apostolically. For people who are moving in the power of the contrite and poor spirit. For ours is the kingdom of heaven. For those that set in motion the Father's purpose and dispel and send away that missing of the mark. And to do it all to fulfill what the throne has sent us to do. That's what John remembers. And that's what he entails here on that evening of the resurrection Sunday. That's good, isn't it? So nice of John to write that for us in the anointing of the Spirit. <laughs> now, it's up to us to keep it up. Amen? Father, thank you for your word. It, it never ceases to amaze me how wonderful your word is. And help us to continue to learn of you. We, we ask your blessing on these things that John says you provided for all of us. We ask that we would utilize these great victories for your kingdom's sake. And we ask you, Father, that the power of the resurrection and the delight in our Lord would be evident in all of us throughout this day particularly. I speak blessing again over all of this congregation and over all of the saints on this wonderful day May we show our love to you, and may we enjoy your presence. We thank you for this, Father, and we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.